0: Good morning, everyone. Some of you were like anticipating what I was going to say already. Good morning, everyone. Big shout out to Maple Grove and Elk River and those watching online as well. We've had a big week here at Emmanuel, And uh, just last Sunday as we uh, were, I preached on that for the second part of the series on fresh air and uh, talked about God's presence, his glory filling the temple and the dedication moments Israel's history and paralleling that with what we're doing here at Emmanuel, And uh, we've had updates on each and every campus, and I heard great things that happened in Elk River as Pastor Brian was preaching, and Maple Grove, Pastor Nathan, and and the story of what God is doing on each of our campuses. And then that afternoon, we did a ribbon-cutting ceremony in Spring Lake Park for all the new facilities and what was happening, and it's just exciting. And God is doing some amazing things. As of this week, we've passed the 70% of money committed, coming in already, praise the Lord, and uh, and we've got about eight weeks left, and um, eight weeks left in the two-year 2, two year period of time, but um, God's also kind of tapping on people's hearts that weren't a part of our story with Hello Possible, and Hello Possible again is our building campaign that we we're doing, seeing what God can do with our stuff and do the impossible through us. And, and uh, we had uh, people that have given very large amounts of money, very small amounts of money in comparison. But God is using the whole body together. And I'm excited about still what is yet to come. While we were worshiping on Sunday morning, there was a shooting in Texas. And, um, and uh, our sisters and brothers, many of them went to be with the Lord. And, and others are injured. And then family members grappling with the pain of that and uh and i don't know about you but we prayed amen and we should continue to pray for all those involved in and uh the horrible uh, tragedy that occurred in texas but i also know this god can do greater things in the future and so we just need to continue to pray god keep protecting churches around the country and around the world here at emmanuel one of the things that i'm grateful for is you have teammates fellow emmanuel congregants People who attend, they're a part of our Watchmen team, which is our security team on all three campuses. And they train extra hard, putting hundreds of hours a year in to prepare and to train and protect both our sanctuaries as well as our kids area and our lobbies. And they are on the ready. And I am so grateful for our Watchmen team, especially this week as we watch what was occurring. Would you give it up for the Watchmen at Emmanuel? So thankful for the... And all that you're doing. And if you feel like maybe you want to jump in on that too, uh, there's more room. We could use more people in each of our campuses to be involved in that as well. And you're like, well, how do I do that? Go to Starting Point. That's a great way to to go to Starting Point. You'll find out how to get involved. Otherwise, you can go online and and check out some of our information that's there. Last week, we talked about the presence of God filling the temple and his glory. And if it's lost... It's Ichabod. And there was a baby that was born that was named Ichabod, which is the glory of the Lord has departed or left. And it was about that time of Israel when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen by the Philippi- Philistines. I was going to say the Philippines. <laughs> by the Philistines and, uh, and stolen away. And a baby was born and named Ichabod. And that was kind of the, the um, metaphor for God's presence leaving Israel And uh, Ichabod could be written on any church, any life, if God's presence leaves, we don't have anything. How many know that when we gather together, that there's another person in the room, that it's not just about the religious formality or the things that we walk through that are protocol, but it's also about meeting with God, and the name Emmanuel means God with us. And of course, what we desire is to continue to guard the presence of God, to know him, And when we gather together, it's not just us individually connecting with God, but it's also about what God does when we all come together, and his presence is so strong and so real. And today I want to share a a little bit of a story that popped up in our connect group. Jody and I go to our connect group, and Scott and Stephanie Sample were a part of it. Scott, why don't you come on up here? And uh, we were just sitting last Sunday. It was the end of a long day, so I was pretty exhausted and uh, Scott was on the other side of the table from me, and he was just kind of chuckling. It was near the end; he had been holding out on this testimony, and then when he shared it, all he could do was laugh because it was just kind of a cool moment. So, Scott, why don't you share what what you shared with us?
1: Yeah, and I think part of this is uh, back to what was said in worship today about leaning into faith and leaning into god leaning into him to feel his presence i think that was part of it and then also kind of connecting on um just listening to the holy spirit and feeling that nudge to do something so with that said last week i was up north with my chainsaws and i had to take a tree down and um completely wrenched my back. And um, it was bad. It was really bad. Basically, I could not stand up straight for four days. Like, this was incredibly painful. Like, literally could not stand up straight. And uh, no matter how much I told myself I should be able to, I couldn't. And so Sunday morning comes around, and I'm like, I have to get out of the house and um, we're going to church so literally trying to get into the car I'm like I don't even know which leg to try to lift (laughs) it was that hard and um, we get to the parking lot and even walking in my wife Stephanie was a couple feet over and I'm like you're not walking with us and she's like you know, this looks like three generations of samples right here. Like, you are Shay's grandfather, because I literally was going in like this. So I had told him in the car, we're going to sit in the front row, which really just brought on this what? No, please, because we're kind of balcony people up there, and I kind of don't want to be seen. But I've been told the acoustics are better up there, so that's that's where we sit. But I said no. We're going to sit in the front row because I feel like I need to go for healing. Which they're like, okay, uh, which I've never done before, um, and. The other thing was, if we sat where we usually do up there, I would never get down here in time for the healing. They would all be gone, and it it wouldn't work. I couldn't hobble down. So uh, during the service, just getting up and down was really, really hard. I don't know if you guys all realize how many times you have to sit down and stand up. I mean, I never counted until you basically can't do it. And so after the service, I kind of hobbled up over here. And that, you know, was kind of embarrassing. But um, we went into this prayer, and there was this anointing of oil. And I have never felt anything so awesome. It was a surge of almost like hot adrenaline. So believe me, guys, this was not a mental exercise. And it was only like a minute a couple minutes, and um, I was standing there at the end of it, and I'm looking around like this, and I'm like, I'm standing. Like, and I said, do you guys realize I'm standing? And I actually went like this a couple times just to make sure I wasn't dreaming or something. So I walked back to Steph and Shay, and I literally said, you notice anything different? And they're like, you're standing. And so, for me, it was this amazing, amazing point of, of hearing about something and not, not believing, but just, you know, kind of wondering, like, you know, is it psychological? Is it, you know, this healing stuff? When it happens to you, there's nothing more convicting. And I'm here to say, too, that this idea of fresh air is all about the Holy Spirit working in our lives to change not only how you think, but this idea of breathing it in to become healthy, because that's what it felt like. Praise God.
0: To God be the glory. To God be the glory. That's what happens when we gather together, even when we don't expect it. For God to meet with us and to breathe in his fresh air. And uh, and yes, I we do hear testimonies every week at our altars in all three of our campuses. When people come forward for prayer, it's not just a hope-so prayer. God is meeting people and healing and joining people's story and giving hope in the middle of hopelessness. Today, titled My Message is Heart to Heart, we're in part three of Fresh Air. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 24. You got your bibles either electronically or physically. Hold them up right now. Let me just see cuz I want to make sure you are diving into the word. All right, now you can go. Psalm 24 Bring your bibles to church. It's the only thing that will is eternal and will be with you on your long haul journey. You can get advice from a lot of different places, watch a lot of different Ted Talks, You can hear messages and short little epiphany moments from a lot of people that sound really great. But the word of God is the only thing that will guard your heart, grow you, and take you into eternity. We got to know the word. Come on, somebody. Got to know the word. So Psalm 24. And as you go there, I want you to catch something uh, context-wise. The person writing this psalm is David. The psalm before this is Psalm 23. There's your, wow, he's smart moment. Psalm 24, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is one of the most famous psalms in the whole world, and that is the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not one, and many people can quote that even if they aren't followers of Jesus because it's so famous, and though I walk through the valley of the shadow, perhaps people have heard that quoted when they've gone to a funeral or other places, and so uh, David is speaking of his relationship to God, something that was formed when he was a shepherd himself. And how he was connected to God and his soul, his mind, his heart, every part of him was following and connected. The Lord is guiding me in a sense he was saying. Psalm 24 is a song that was written by David that many scholars believe was about the moment when the stolen ark came back into Jerusalem. And so it was coming to Mount Zion, which was a mountain up on a hill, if you will. And uh, that's where the temple was to be. And eventually, but that's where the tabernacle was built up. That's where they were to come and worship. And uh, so Psalm 24 was this um, song that was to be sung by all the people. There was a call and a response. Somebody would say one part, and then all the people would say another part. And it was this great moment of God's glory being returned to the temple. Even after it gets there, for centuries to come, they would celebrate and sing this psalm in the future, too. So it wasn't just a one-time event. It was meant to be repeated, and it spoke of going to meet with God, going to pursue God. And so Psalm 24, verse 1, here we go. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. It's an amazing psalm that was sung about, a declaration first out of the gate, the first two verses, about who this is that they're coming to worship. He is the one who is over all the earth. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Say that with me. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So they start off with this declaration that God is in charge of everything, that there is no substitute, there's no like copycat, um, there 's no knock off to him. he owns it all. Everything is underneath him. Isaiah, when he was talking about the spirit of the Lord filling the temple, he talked about the train of his robe filling the temple. And, uh, of course, that was in the days when kings had long trains on the robe. And the longer it went, the more authority and the more control that king had. And Isaiah had said that, that the train of his robe filled the temple. In other words, it was the biggest king of all the kings. There was no comparison to him. And so when the psalmist, when David said, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, he was making a declaration. It's all his. Did you know you you don't have anything to give back to God that he didn't already give you? That literally it's all from him anyways. The the source of who you are, the source of what you have, the, the capacity to stretch and be, become something else uh, resource-wise is still up underneath him. And then he says, everybody that's in it, all the people too. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're his too. <laughs> all right, and then verse three He says, who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Some versions say, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? And there's this declaration about something that's about to happen. Physically, they're going to go up the, the mountain, up the road, up the hill. But then there's also this sense of a pursuit of the heart a pursuit of the attention, a direction that people were going in. All scripture affirms that it would require a climb to go up that mountain. It's a pursuit. And then the, 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 the kind of the choir leader would say, who gets to go? Who wants to go up that mountain? Who, who stand, will stand in his presence, in his holy place? Why do you want to go? And there's kind of this, to the crowd, this response, who wants to go? And I don't know about you, but today, when it comes to fresh air and the toxins of the age we're in and the vitriol and the anger and the cynicism and the fighting and all the stuff that we breathe in in our world around us, and we need the presence of God, the freshness, the purity, the love that is pure, that, that, that cares for those that are around us, We need to pursue that presence. It's not just something that's out there. There's a climb to move there, to to, to chase God and to meet with him. And that's what the psalmist would say. Who gets to go? Who's going to move there? And the answer in verse 4 is, only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. Now, this is an interesting list of things that in the religious world, we could think of that as just a religious checklist that feels like like it's nothing more than law, okay? But I want you to understand that behind this is David saying, listen, I want to meet with God, and we need to meet with God But to meet with God, he's already said that there's certain protocol when you do meet with God. He said, you know, the Levites and the priests that would go into the tabernacle, they literally had to wash their hands because their hands were touching other things all the time. Their hands had been other places, and the hands were important. Where where have your hands been? Because wherever you go, your hands went with you. Your hands perhaps drove you there or pulled out the, the money to pay to go there, or the phone to get there, or you've pushed a button to go somewhere online, or you, your ha- or you picked up the phone to talk to somebody. And those same hands are hands that we want to lift to God and worship. They're the same hands that we want to use to heal the sick. The same hands that hug and shake and fist bump the people that are around us. And the question is, where have you And what have your hands been touching? Where on the internet have you been going? There needs to be a cleansing of the hands, okay? And essentially, he's leading to something because whatever you do with your hands goes into your heart. He who has a clean hands, NIV says, but in NLT it says pure hands and a pure heart. The pure heart, biblically speaking, the heart is the control room of the whole person. So wherever your hands have gone have impacted your heart and the heart is a really important part of you. It is the control. I mean it determines where you go with your life. I was praying about this in con- and and meditating on the word this week and as I was praying about it I knew that no matter who's watching me whether you're online or in our rooms or listening to me later this week um, you are where you are because your heart led you there. So, whatever has happened historically, and whoever you've let into your heart, and the decisions that were made in your heart, moved you to wherever you are right now. And even interpreting uh, pain and what other people's decisions ha- had, and the impact on your life, your heart. You, you can choose whether or not to let that destroy you or be something that you pass out and you uh, get rid of so that you can follow the Lord. But wherever you are, your heart is there. And the scripture says you're supposed to guard your heart, Proverbs 4, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So whatever's happening there is going to determine everything else. And the heart, biblically speaking, if it's the control room, it encompasses far more than a feeling. It actually encompasses your thoughts as well. because wherever your thoughts go, your feelings follow after, and eventually it becomes your heart. Nobody falls out of love. They think themselves out of love first. Your heart follows your thoughts, Okay. And it becomes kind of the content. So if you're in a place today where you feel like you have a cold heart, your cold heart started with thoughts back in the day or things that have happened and it's led to this point where you may not be where you want to be. Maybe you remember when you had a warmer heart and and you were loving and kind and not bitter and not untrusting maybe you remember a time when you were more secure and that you you were able to handle life's events the good and the bad but something happened to you but your thought life is a big part of that thinking is a big deal whatever you're thinking about this is why this generation is in trouble cuz our generation has let a lot of things into our mind anybody can get their message to us on social media or other just to our phone And without even trying, we're picking up thoughts that are going in. And the Bible says we're supposed to guard that. Some of you have heard me talk about this before, but thinking is a big deal. I remember when I was in high school playing sports, and I wanted to get ready to be pumped up to go out on the field. And so I listened to the hardest Christian rock music I could back in the 1980s on my Sony Walkman player, and I put in Striper. Come on, somebody. Ah, you know, and the guitar was going and, and I'd be in the locker room and you know, get myself ready to go out there and bless people in Jesus' name, you know, and hit them on the field. <laughs> That's an exaggerated way to show you that if you've been feeling depressed or you've been feeling lonely, or angry towards someone else, it's probably because you've been thinking about it over and over and over and over. And whatever influences have come in have nudged you in your heart in a particular way and your feelings follow after that. Guard your heart. So how do you gain a sense of purity Because in the heart, it's an important deal. Jesus said it in Matthew 12, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So how do you have a pure heart? How do you even move in that direction? Let me tell you this, purity really comes from coming to Jesus. Because nobody is free from sin we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory okay but Jesus is the only sinless person and he can come and cleanse our heart but even after you've been cleansed you've been made new you and I have a responsibility to learn to live purely in an impure world Paul speaking to his son in the faith Timothy in 2nd Timothy 2 he said it this way he said run from anything that stimulates youthful lust instead pursue righteousness righteous living faithfulness love and peace enjoy the companionship of those who call on the lord with pure hearts he says run from anything that stimulates youthful lust i'd like you to think of the word unplug if you run it means to unplug disconnect deal with the triggers that take you into some other thing The biblical word for that is repent. To recognize what's going on in your head your heart and how it's led you astray and how the enemy uses other things to trigger you and to get you off track. Repentance isn't saying I'm sorry. Repentance is unplugging from that thing that's been leading you astray. Church, hear me clearly. If you have influences that are hurting your heart, leading you down the wrong path. Just saying I'm sorry and feeling guilty in church does not set you free. It doesn't make you more pure. I don't want you to feel guilty every Sunday. What I want you to do is make a decision on a Sunday that you live out on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday to unplug from that thing that's been leading you astray. That's what biblical repentance is. It's turning and going in a different direction. Direction. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to unplug. He says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living. Go after it. Pursue. Chase. Righteous living. You know, in this day and age where uh, we compare ourselves to everybody else, I'm not as bad as them. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. At least I'm not doing that. We can almost justify ourselves to being where we are. But Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, don't just be good. Chase righteousness. Go after the things that are better. Go after the word of God. Seek the presence of God. Know the purity that only comes from him. Read the word because it makes a difference. Don't just get in the gates of heaven. Learn all that God has for you while you're on the earth. Can I get an amen? And then he says, hang out with others who call on the Lord from pure, with pure hearts. He says, enjoy the companionship of those. In other words, make sure that you're around people that are also pursuing those things. If you want to be pure, hang out with the pure. If not, friends are like elevators. They can take you up or take you down. And so you and I have a responsibility to have a fabric of growth. If you are around, listen, Jesus has called us to be salt and light in the world. We're not gonna have some kind of weird compound out in in, in the country here at the church. God has called you to go to school. He's called you to go to work. He's called you to live amongst people that don't know Jesus. They are impure. I'm not saying you have to completely withdraw from everything. What I am saying is, if you're going to be pure in the impurity, then you have to have a posse, a group of people of redwood faith, if you will, that you are connected to that are righteous, that keep you from drifting. When you've been a week and a half in the world and haven't been around church and, haven't, and things just got busy, those things don't pull you away when you have a fabric of faith, a community of friends who are also pursuing the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's vital. It's vital. If you don't do that, it's, it's too easy to, to fall in. That's why going back to Psalm 24, David says, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, the one who has clean hands, pure heart, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. You know what he was saying there? The idols in the land were other sources, where they gain their strength from. And God was saying, don't come and worship me, but really trust in something else. Make sure that you really trust in the Lord. You may say today, why does God care what happens to my hands and my heart? Because worship is not about us pleasing God. It's not about us being perfect on the outside. No one is righteous, not even one, Romans says. In fact, Jesus' death and resurrection allows us to follow Jesus, the only pure one. So it's not about being perfect before him. But really it's about having a heart-to-heart meeting. You see, as David visualized it, he also had the context of his song between him and God when he was in the field and he carried that all the way into his future now as a king as the as the ark was moving up the hill and he was declaring the ones that want to pursue God the ones that get to worship him and be in his presence in his fresh air if you will are those that are coming for their heart to meet with God's heart because God's not interested in you doing a show for him or doing something on the outside he wants your heart You don't come to church and do some kind of spiritual river dance. God doesn't want you to spin around three times and act like you're super spiritual and then you had a good Sunday so that he can bless you. No, God's not interested in just giving you stuff. God is interested in you. He wants that core being of who you are, your heart. He's passionate and he understands us. Jesus came to the earth. Because he wanted to take on human flesh, understand the challenges that we go through, and he feels what we feel. And when we cover up our hearts, we close off our only true pressure relief. We miss out on the one that helps us. And then worship is only external. Listen, worship needs to be more than external, friends. It needs to be an issue of the heart, a heart-to-heart meeting with God. And when we come to Jesus, our high priest, who is touched and acquainted with the feelings of our infirmity, he presently advocates for us. We tap into the ultimate pressure release. But when our heart is being relieved and medicated by some other thing, whether it be alcohol or drugs or chasing, uh, zoning out on Netflix marathons or whatever it may be, something is missing. Listen, you can't get from Netflix what you can get in the presence of God. You can't get it from some other source. You've got to bring your heart to God's presence. That's where your freedom comes into play. And Jesus understands us. Some people, they withhold their heart because they look at God and they misunderstand. They're like, God, why did I go through the pain? Why did you let me hurt? Why did this thing happen or that thing happen to me? Why did I have to, uh, have to go through a divorce of my parents? Why, why did I have to go through a divorce myself? Why do, I, why do I have to deal with the pain or the loss of a loved one? Why? And we misunderstand that God somehow hates us or is into us or has hurt us or allowed us to be hurt. And so we withdraw our hearts from God. And when we cover up our hearts, we miss out on the only one that is able to come in and heal our hearts. So if you're under the sound of my voice today and you need the fresh air of God, please hear me. Please hear me. I can't give you the 10 steps to be a better Christian and it will fill out all of the issues in your life. But what I can tell you is this. If you take your heart into the presence of God, he can do what I can't, nobody can do. No psychologist on the planet, no TED Talk, no book on Amazon.com can do for you. In the presence of God, you bring your heart and then he brings his fresh air. (laughs) It's a heart-to-heart meeting. He cares about us, even when the storms rage. You remember the time when, when Jesus is asleep in the bottom of the boat, and the disciples are going across the sea and the storm's raged, and they're thinking they're going to die, and they go down to the bottom of the boat and Jesus is sleeping. And, the, and Peter, I think it was, that said, "Don't you even care?" He was saying There's like, "God, don't you care? We're in the middle of the storm." How many of you know, Jesus was not afraid. But they were afraid. So Jesus comes up and he calms the storm. And he brings peace in the middle of the storm. Sometimes he'll calm the storm and sometimes he'll just calm us. Hello. But as long as Jesus is in your boat and your heart is in his hand, you have the possibility to have the peace to know him. But don't misunderstand. He does care for you. And that's why he said, cast all your cares on me. David in Psalm 51 was at the point of his life when he had messed up. How many know when you've messed up and you can't hide it no more? He had messed up with Bathsheba. And then on top of that, he had Bathsheba's husband killed. How many know? He would not be like speaking on Sunday morning at Emmanuel after that, right? Probably not elected to office. And what does he do? He takes his heart back to God. He says, against you and you only have I sinned. And then he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. He threw himself at the mercy of God because his heart needed to meet with God. How many know if you you leave it to the people around you, they're harsher with you than God would be? People will tear you up, chew you up, and spit you out. True? True? But God, somehow David was able to know, I need to take that to my Savior. I need to take it to the Lord. And then God begins to do a new thing in him. And then he could tr- teach transgressors his ways. In Psalm 24, the people are going up. They're, and they're rising. They're going to another level, to another place. They're going to meet with God, a heart-to-heart meeting with God. And biblically, the way up is down. Luke 14, 11, Jesus said it this way, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The bottom line is for your heart to be emptied of its sorrows and pain is to bring your heart to God's heart and meet with him heart to heart. He's not afraid of dark things, regretful things. He loved us when we were still sinners, but he is the only one who can free a heart that is weighed low by the cares of the world. The stress of responsibility. It's impossible to be clean enough or pure enough on your own. You need to humble yourself before God. And when you do, he meets with you. If you live on in your pride, you keep your heart covered up. Your heart will take you places you don't want to go. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who could know it? How many know sometimes our own heart deceives us? And when we're in a place where we're following our feelings and our feelings have us, we don't have our feelings, we do stupid things. We misunderstand, we make enemies out of friends, we destroy relationships. But if we can humble ourselves and say, God, I don't want to stay this way. I want you to do something with my heart. How I know he is the perfect surgeon? He is the one that comes and puts Humpty Dumpty back together again. Jesus gives a visual for this, for what can happen with the heart. In John 7, it says, on the last day, the climax, at the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty, May come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from where? His heart. You and I are meant to be in rhythm with heaven, and we are meant to be full of the life giving purity of heaven whether it's water or air that we're talking about, that purity pushes out the junk and it replaces it with life. And you can only live with living water. Living water is continuous water. It's not water that's stuck and becomes stagnant. It's got an outlet and it's got an inlet. And we have to have that living water flowing through us. And Jesus said, if we come to him, he will fill us from our hearts Waters, living waters, will flow to the world around us. You might be w- wondering why you've had a difficulty sharing love with your spouse or with your kids or with your co workers. You might find your heart becoming bitter to the people around you, and your answer isn't to get them fired or to win an argument. How many know you're, win, you can win an argument and lose a friend? That's not the answer. What you need is you need the living water of God to flow through you, and his love flowing through you will clean up the junk, and now you'll find yourself having the capacity to care for those around you, not be overwhelmed by the schedule or the times that you're walking through. You can have that purity of love. Your heart needs the love, but you can't love without being pure. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, the purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from what? A pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Today, I'm calling us, everyone under the sound of my voice, to look at your heart and consider what could happen if you brought your heart and climbed the hill, if you will, humbled yourself. Didn't hide anything. Confession is from the Greek word homo logeo, which means to speak the same thing to God as what he already sees. What would happen if you stop hiding it, stop pushing under the, 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 the bed, and stop uh, letting other things control you and, and the things that are kind of addictions of your life or whatever, keeping them from God? What if you brought it all to God and you said, God, here I am a sinner? Wash me and clean me. Change me from the inside out. I want your living water. I am thirsty for you. And you came to meet with God, not just to go through a religious exercise in a church service, but to meet with God. What could happen to your life if you met with God? This is what it says in Psalm 24 again as I close. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will. Everybody say will. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Today... Is the day for all to turn toward Him. And for all to know the purity that only comes from Him. And when your heart meets with God's heart, friends, the whole world becomes so much better. Would you stand with me today?